Hello and welcome to Last Sunset Krypton, a Superman podcast. I'm Connor from the House of L, and I'm joined by two guests today. I'm joined by Dave from Signal of Doom and Adam from Adamland. Uh, <laughs> talking Twitter at, at no, talking Superman at Twitter, or however you say it. Uh, hey guys. Hello. Hey. Hey, so, uh, awesome to have you guys here. So this episode is, we're doing like a spotlight on Edmund Hamilton, because why not? And, uh, Adam, it was your idea. I thought that sounded mm-hmm. great. And I know Dave really, really loves pre-crisis Superman, so I thought I'd bring him in on this too. And here we are. Well, thank you for having me. And first up, I want to say, although I knew very well his reputation, uh, Edward Hamilton, um... It was very much of a privilege to go back, and thank you to you guys. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Connor, for uh, suggesting some issues. And uh, it makes it harder because it, they're not credited back in those days on the story. Yeah. So, but having the guidance made it really good. And yeah, they are very strong um, mm. story in general. And Adam, can I say I really appreciated that list you did? I shared it on the Signal of Doom page. It was like the 100 best Superman stories or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago, yes. Well, Thank it's you. excellent. No, it's excellent because you know what I love about it, man? You go, you, you, you obviously have a very deep knowledge, but you, like, I hate it when people go, top 10 Superman stories, and they're like, they pick one from like three months ago, and it's like... Sure. And they, they do like five stories from like since the New 52, and those stories might be good, but it's like there's a lot of yeah. legacy that they're just completely yeah. ignoring when they do that, which I really, I really appreciated that you took the time. And um, I know my listeners have also reached out to me. And I think some of them thought I did it. I was like, I didn't do it. It's, <laughs> it's Connor's friend, Adam. <laughs> like, well, thank I you, yes. Time or knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that just comes from uh, not reading anything else for 10 years. <laughs> So, oh, man, yeah. That's what, that's all it takes. Impressive, dude. I think we could all agree that, you know, the most overlooked era is definitely pre-crisis. Like, you don't... Right. Unless it's like Alan Moore, you don't see stories from that make lists that much. It's so weird because, like, the DC was built on this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, that's what... Thing, you know? If we're going to, like, get into it, that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode is the the credits are not there and the availability is not there. Yeah. So essentially what happens is if you're not, you know, the creators or if you're not like a crazy record breaker like Kurt Swan, mm. your name kind of just goes away after a while, you know? Mm. Yeah. And unless you're deep in the weeds of Superman, like, geek culture, as we all are on this right. show, you can say you would know. Like, uh, it, so it's – it's it, one thing I think they should do, in my opinion, is when they reprint um, everything – and I know the Superman Silver Age omnibus, omnibus is about to start this December. Hooray! I, I would like to see them actually not just credit them in the contents page, which I'm sure they will – but mm-hmm. I would like to see them add a the credits in the story as well. Yeah, add, add a little page before the story that's like, yes. yeah. this was, but yeah. I'm so, it's, yeah. I wonder if they did that with the Golden Age collections, because those are famously 
Uh, a lot of ghostwriters and ghost artists worked on Golden Age stories. Ooh. I feel like they didn't yeah. retroactively credit them. I have three of them, uh, but I, mm -hmm. I can't remember if they do. And if I go... I, have, I have the Silver Age Batman here, which I can dig up and, mm. and can answer the question a bit later. But yeah. at the very least, when the, with the Silver Age Ominous, at the least, I want the contents page as they usually do to say, written by, you know, an Ed Hamilton, yeah. an Art art by a Kurt Swan, a yeah. Wayne Boy, whoever. And I just, I, I feel like, because I think it's, it's it, it seems to be around very late 60s, maybe 1970, that we start seeing the credits on all the Superman books, maybe late 60s. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'll definitely have to check my Golden Age books later. If I go check them now, my mic will disconnect and it'll be a nightmare. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't, I'm not sure how you guys want to tackle this. So there's an issue that we're going to cover properly. We're just going to cover one issue. Like, that's yeah. the highlight. Sure. But there is a bunch of other issues that are sort of highlights of his career. I feel like we could go over them very quickly. Um, yeah. well, I, thoughts on I do them. want to say, um, my knowledge, uh, is it Edward Hamilton or Edmund? I forget. Edmund. Right. Edmund. Yeah. So Edmund Hamilton, I I knew basically. I'll be honest. Until I read the Kryptonian Companion um, bits of it, anyway. Beforehand, I wasn't super aware of his name, uh, although mm -hmm. I knew some of the stories. And then when I realised he was an old school uh, pulp science fiction writer, a very well renowned one, and Mort Weisinger brought him in due to like their sci-fi, you know, um, back history together. And he, so he was a very experienced writer and he kind of had two stints on the book, um, and especially strong stints starting in about 1962. And yeah, so he was a very highly regarded writer who then turned his hand to comic books. And the quote in the Kryptonian Companion was he said, comic book scripts are a drudgery. The editors won't let me escape, but he <laughs> obviously was very good at it. Um, so it's interesting that. And when you read his stories, I think they're very tightly plotted in a really good way. And he seems to be leagues ahead of his time when I read these stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, like, the prose itself is, like, standard for the time. But some of the things he does in the book, like, mm. in terms of plot and, um, yeah, you know, sort of like, I don't know, it just seems like really, it, it's weird to say sort of experimental. I'm not sure that's the right word. But... Um, I think especially plotting. I think the plotting it's tight. He makes really good use of every page, every panel, and you can tell this is a like reading it. You can tell that this guy's a bit more advanced than some of the more simplistic storylines. And actually, I think a lot of it um, is the strength of pre-crisis and um, whatever age, yeah. Silver Age. Like it's you. You could if they wanted to do stuff now you could adapt a lot of these into a two- or three-parter and flesh it out a bit more. But the bones are there. They're actually pretty good stories, the ones I just read. I've yeah. read about five of them in a row. And I was like, these cut the mustard, you know? Yeah. Well, if I can talk about, like, my experience, kind of what you guys kind of alluded to, like, oh, I think I read these but didn't know the name. That was exactly what happened to me, like, a couple years ago, is that when I started looking at looking for, like, credits... And I had in my mind, like, oh, uh, Last Days of Superman is, like, the best Silver Age Superman story. Mm -hmm. And I had in my mind, like, oh, that, the, you know, the one we read today is very strong. You know, the one, yeah. Action 300 is very strong. And then when I found out, like, 
same writer. When I started piecing it, <laughs> wait a minute, this is all, all of my favorite ones are all this same guy. It, it like blew my mind. And I, I think what you guys are getting at is like, usually for, I'm also like a big Silver Age lover. I say this with love, but when people talk about the Silver Age, it's almost exclusively like, it was so wacky. Mm. Oh my gosh, there was a psychic horse and Superman used it to fend off, you know, vegetable men. And, oh, Jimmy Olsen turned into an octopus. It's so wacky. And all of these uh, Edmund Hamilton stories are, it doesn't have, it doesn't not have elements of that, but they're all premises that are still interesting today. If these, if any of these stories showed up in the solicits next month, yeah. People would like take note of it. You could yeah. quote unquote modernize, uh, yes. like redo these concepts now really easily because they hold up. They're still interesting concepts. Um, uh, I would say some we... have attempted to do so and probably watered down. Uh, I think mm. New Krypton certainly, I think, um, has elements of one of the stories I just read where the Kryptonians come out of the Candor City. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, you can't tell me that someone hasn't looked at that Ed Hamilton story and gone, you know what, we can redo this now and make it into a four-parter, blah, blah, blah. Well, if, if that's Jeff Johns, like, he's a he's a big fan of... Yeah. So I'm sure he lifted a lot. I don't mean that in a bad way, um, but... Well, that's you know, what he said. That's, that's his strength. Yeah. The, so what, what's interesting how, like, Dave, you were saying he was, like, a cut above the rest. I think that's quite... And I don't want to be a bully to this other guy, but I think it's quite evident in Superman 181... Mm-hmm. When you read the first story, the super scoops of Mornavine, and then you read the Superman of twenty nine sixty five, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit <laughs> night and day. Um, yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I did reread that one, and you're right. Yeah, the fr- the first page, you're like, oh, oh no, he this one didn't really hold up, and then you get to what was on the cover, you know, because they yeah. did uh, advertise that the, the, the introducing future superman of 2965 right it's cool and that was like oh now we're cooking the yeah first well, one felt it, 10 it years old. i didn't know who did which so i read both of them and i enjoyed them but definitely the future one um mm. has a little more punch you know i felt like the mm. first one like i always suspected it was like a reprint of a 50 story but i i couldn't find the evidence of it being a reprint anywhere so no um also, it bears mentioning, as you touched on, Dave, uh, Edmund Hamilton uh, did write for Weird Tales mm-hmm. magazine, which had a lot of famous writers, and if I had more time, I would have actually read some of his prose, but uh, I didn't, but that is obviously potential things for a future wrote, episode. I, 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 I read this as the Kryptonian Companion. Um, he wrote a lot of storylines that dealt with things like future civilizations, and he would actually... Yeah. So bring in stuff from his books and, and that he'd written some of some previous things. He'd been yeah. writing for a long time. And then what he would do is he would um, incorporate some of those ideas into Superman. So, for example, that mm. one where that really famous one where is it the last days of Superman? The one where he's in the um, future, like heaps in the future and um, the sun's red. Yeah. And, yeah, that story, he'd done that story um, as a prose novel, 
and Mort Weisinger um, really liked it, and he then mm. basically did it, you know, a different version with Superman. And in yeah. the in the original prose novel, the character who goes into the future, or I think it's a group, they stay in the future and they make um, the best of it kind of thing, and they start a new civilization and stuff like that. Whereas in the Superman one, he came back obviously to you know his normal time period. Yeah. But um, it's really interesting. Like he he did incorporate even names from his from his stories um, and basic like the high concepts and would put them into the Superman stuff. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a reason uh, for that stuff. I would love to read if so you're you're referencing uh, Action 300 for anyone wondering. And yeah. uh, I would love to know if in the book there were stuff like land whales and eagles that shoot lightning out of their eyes uh well apparently, or if that was like oh that's now i'm in comics so let's add I, an eagle with lightning powers Shining companion and apparently his big thing was he was really into like he did far off space operas and stuff and future yeah. civilizations. so i think he did do a lot of that sort of stuff like really sort of wildly in the future and this is from like the 30s and 40s and 50s you know what i mean like I think a lot of his um, uh, prose writing, it predated uh, his Superman stuff. And he was yeah. also married to a, uh, a lady who one of the really big directors in uh, Hollywood used. So he also was a screenwriter and stuff. Mm. And actually, sorry, she was a screenwriter. And um, I'll, I'll find it for you while we're talking. But So he had Hollywood um, connections as well. Mm. And I think when he took a break from comics, he really expanded upon his plotting and stuff. So when he came back in about 62, he was really rolling in terms of his mm. story. Interesting. Potential. Nice. Hmm. That's my research, guys. There you go. No, no, that, that was very helpful. Uh, this this Kryptonian companion sounds pretty good. I'll, oh, I'll put it in the show notes for so, sure. Like... You, you owe it to yourself to get it, and you can also, if you want to get it online, it's available on the um, Internet Archive, and you can basically borrow it out and, and read it. And my my paperback edition is in storage uh, at the moment in a box, so I'm reading off the, 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 you know, the Internet Archive version. And it's, oh, you'd love it, guys. Uh, if mm. you haven't got it, you'd love it, because it's all behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's really in the weeds as i would call it which is where we want to be for this kind of shit we want the <laughs> core details you know yeah, yeah definitely like, we don't want just the sort of like you know the one page forward kind of thing telling us all what to do I i'm finding this person that he was married to because she was really well known and, and, a and a screenwriter but um yeah i mean talk a bit more um adam i mean obviously with your with your knowledge um just, well, I, I don't have as much knowledge as the guy himself as much as I'm just like, oh, I I like all these. Like, he may be yeah. like a, a top ten writer for me now, you know? I agree. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just wanted to go over, too, like, when we were – I was saying, like, oh, the premises still hold up. Uh, mm. Like you said, like, he – the future stuff is big, and that came into a lot of Superman stuff. So he did things like Three Generations of Superman, which is a really good issue mm -hmm. that holds up. He did, like we said, Superman. He worked a lot with, um, seems like his, his big creation, right, if you can say that, is probably Clark Ken, which is the, the 
at the far future Superman, and he's like he looks exactly like Clark, but he kind of has his hair combed over yeah. different. You know? Apparently, apparently, people weren't too crash hot on that at the time. Really, really, yeah. This is the one where if he goes in the water, it's poisonous and all this stuff. Yeah, the, the ocean. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I love that one. I thought that was so cool. The idea yeah, but... that like. As Kryptonians go on, the the weaknesses are different. It's a very cool idea. And, and that was um, is, um, the d- film director is Howard Hawks, who is a, was a huge oh. director. So Ed's wife Lee Brackett um, was a was a screenwriter, and um, she basically went back in '57 to work with Howard Hawks after a bit of a dry spell and. Perhaps her newfound financial stability was a factor in Edmund greatly curtailing his comic book activity beginning in 58, uh, blah, blah, blah. After, and then Weisinger brought him back, and or Hamilton returned in 62, and he was, he'd was he written a lot of stuff between 58 and 62, and apparently he was really cooking. Um, mm. There you go. So it was Howard Hawks. So, yeah. Mm. There you go. Nice. The, um, the, the future Superman stories actually get reprinted a lot in the Bronze Age. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, like just well, not just those, but stories from the Silver Age get reprinted on the back of Bronze Age issues, which is pretty cool. They do. It's so funny when you see them because sometimes they really hold up, and sometimes you're like, "Oh." Yeah, sometimes it's jarring. Yeah. yeah like mm-hmm. it, it's interesting, and that, another thing they also do because I've read a lot of Bronze Age is sometimes they would devote a whole issue to because um, this is before the days, obviously, kids at home. Uh, way before the days of trade paperbacks, digital collections, like people that you'd go a hundred page spectacular, and it would be a, like an anthology of stories for all the way from the golden age to the to the silver yeah. age. And if you think about it, that would have been really wicked for kids back then to get a glimpse into the past because it's well before, as we say, collections were a thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, much harder to get access to that old stuff. Very harder. Like we, we forget that now because we're so sort of spoiled, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But even, even in the 80s, like, collections were not, nowhere near as big a thing. I mean, you, some things were collected, like Dark Knight and Watchmen and a few other things were collected ad nauseum. But to my memory, it wasn't until at some point in the 90s where everything, things started getting collected a lot more frequently until it got to a point where it was, everything was collected by, like, the late 90s, you know? Yeah. But it's well, funny, isn't it? Yeah, er- everything but kind of Bronze Age and Silver Age stuff is still no, I mean, enormous you... gaps, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's it's crazy, uh, Adam, to me, how, like, I'll be honest, I'll be brutally honest, how poorly DC, and I'm not even going to talk about Marvel, because fuck Marvel, but um, <laughs> how poorly DC have been at, collecting foundation characters like Batman and Superman from the early stuff. I know they've finally got around to it with these highly expensive, um, what do you call them, like archive editions, which I think, again, appeal to the Uber fan. But I swear to God, God they have done a very poor job about packaging their Silver Age and Bronze Age stuff to the general public, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame, shame. because some of this stuff really, yeah, holds up. Oh, look, um, I, I think so. I totally agree. I, I remember I picked up, um, at some t- point in the 90s, I had like a story that was like the greatest stories of Superman or something, something like that. And yeah. it really intrigued me, uh, the collection of stories. Inclu- like, I really, it really sparked my interest in pre-crisis, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff there, and there's a lot of forgotten stuff. Like, people people who say, oh, you know, um, like, you have so many... Because we know Superman fans today are very... If this, if this particular thing happens, uh, then it's not Superman. You know, like, uh, let's mm. say, oh, if he, if he, you know, if he doesn't identify as a human more, he's not Superman. If the Kents are alive or dead or whatever, he's not Superman. But, like... This stuff's important to just tell people, like, you know, Superman's a lot of things, and... 100%. Might, you, yeah. you know, uh, he's changed a lot over the years, and there's nothing wrong with any yeah. of his incarnations, oh, really. Pe- like, some of, the, some of the fucking debates that have come up in the last 15 years are laughable. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, can't, I can't stand them, yeah. Yeah, like, oh. it's, 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 like, go back and read some of the crazy old stories, and you'd have a heart attack, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I was reading a story the other day where our last for our last uh, issue, Creeping Death, and Jack Ryder annoys Superman, so he uses his heat vision to give him sunburn. Yeah, and yes, that... I, I, I read I, I read that. I did some notes, <laughs> didn't I? If that was like if that happens on screen or in a new comic, as you said, uh, people would have a heart attack. I think. <laughs> and um, it wasn't even that older comic. That was Joe Kelly. No, like... Yeah, mid two thousands. Yeah, look, I, I like I, I don't know where you guys are, but I, I actually think people take things way too seriously. Like, sure. Um, part of the attraction in like I, I get it. Ed Hamilton is one of the best Silver Age writers. Okay, so we're it's the cream of the crop. I read this one just then on the Superman, um, the one where he goes to Candor and it's Flame Bird and Nightwing and him and Jimmy. Yeah. And I'd never read that story. I've heard about this story. I read this story in preparation for this show. I'm like, this is perfect. This could be a movie that you could you you could adapt that into a really great movie, you know? And mm. um, like, obviously, you'd flesh it out a bit and and modernize and stuff. But it's the 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 concept is so strong, everything's so strong. You read that, and I know it's cream of the crop stuff, but like, where's the Ed Hamilton collection? You know, if people don't want to spend like a hundred and fifty bucks or whatever in yeah. the archive, you know, yeah, should be doing some more stuff like that. Like with Batman, they do it. They do um, a lot of the writers um, of yesteryear. Uh, quite a few of them have collections like hardcovers, and same with the artists. And considering how highly regarded Kurt Swan is, um, and rightly so, um, it just feels like that it would be money for jam for the Superman fans. I reckon you mm. I reckon you'd bring some old school Superman fans in to buy those collections, you know? Mm. Just my opinion, but I no, think, yeah. I think DC at times um they miss a beat. Like they're very good with Batman with how they publish shit, like they are good with that, but I think with Superman sometimes they're a bit more hesitant and I don't know why because they've got a lot of strong stuff to draw on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, either. I don't have an answer for why they're so <laughs> weird with Superman and other superheroes sometimes. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Like, it would be interesting to get, um, like... But we know we know Batman's guaranteed cash. I, I've said it before, and I feel uh, like that the Robert Pattinson's on the Batman. I'm a huge Batman fan. Like, I'm not going to hide it. But having done a lot of... I, I was going to say research. Having done a lot of reading <laughs> Superman over the last, say, five years... I've dug a lot deeper than before, and in general, I think it's very enjoyable. And I'm I, I these Ed Hamilton stories, like the, like we're talking about here, 
They are very strong, and the art's good. Kurt Swan's on most of the art, if mm-hmm. not all of it. And, I mean, guys, can I get an amen? Like, can you go wrong with Kurt Swan, really? No. You know? The, well, the thing is, like, you know, Batman prints money, right? DC cares about printing money. Uh, so it's it's like a miracle we've even gotten, like, stuff like uh, the, the Grant Morrison Action Comics omnibus, Exile... And generations, like those are three that I thought. Oh, I didn't think they would ever get like omnibuses, but, you know, because they're not Death I, of Superman. In, but this is the thing: like they're all strong. Like Grant Morrison is a very big name, you know, um, in in comics. And True. in the nineties, when I was reading Superman comics for about three years in the Triangle titles, he was being done very well, you know. So it's like a lot of the, like I, I obviously. Not all of it, but there's a lot of kind of gold or very close to gold in those hills. And, you, you know, sort of like, I know they spam Batman heavily, but mm. I, 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 and I, I do, I mean, I'm one of those people who does think the majority of their current output is a bit lackluster, but that doesn't mean they don't have like, you know, 75 years of really good stuff. And, yeah. You know, all it takes is it doesn't take a genius. It just takes some geek at DC, mm-hmm. but is some intern to go through and curate it and do a bit of research and get paid not even that much money. Pay them like five k, and they spend a month researching and they come back together and go, "Look, here's thirty stories that we should reprint." Boom, put it out and put a banner on it, and and then you test the market. Like they tested the market with Lobo's greatest hits, uh, Lobo um, volumes one and two, and then the Hitman's greatest hits. And before you know it, they've got compendiums and omnibuses coming out because they obviously sold well enough. So you sort of do a best of, and then because I do feel that what they do, what they're finally doing now is they've finally got the Silver Age. Ten years too late, but the price point on these archives is quite high. Mm. Yeah. Is quite high. Someone like me is going to pay it. It's not a problem. But if you're sort of a newer comic book reader, I don't know if I'd be going, I'm going to spend, I don't know how much it is in the US, Adam, but it's like, what, roughly about 120 130 bucks from Omnibus, would you say? No, you're right. Yeah. We are getting Silver Age, but as you said, it's expensive. And it's like... slow. You know, it's slow. It, it, it's like, they should have got there 10 years ago. I don't know why they've taken this long, like, I'm sorry, I know people love Golden Age, but not that many people do. You know, like, it's like you need to get to the shit people, know, you know, at least know or can care about. Like, the mass public, there's a lot of Superman fans that if you said to them, oh, there's a lot of Superman fans that will be so happy, I guarantee you that Silver Age Omnibus series will sell well, you know? Mm. Yeah, but once well, you start also, Golden I Age, like your... you should finish it. Yeah. You know, I, like... I like your idea of, like, do the... Do the Edmund Hamilton collection, or do yeah. like the this is the Otto Bender stuff. Yeah. Like you, it, it might sound gross, but it might help to kind of sell something as like these were the artisans of the sixties and seventies, and these oh. this is this, like more curated than uh, doing it in order. It, it it might help to be like to well, cherry pick. You know, the, their gold stuff. Batman. There's Jerry Conway Batman. There's Neil Adams mm-hmm. Batman. There's this. There's there's a lot of variations of Batman they put out. And there is, like, I, I do remember buying a, a Gil Kane Superman based on, yep. like, oh, yep. I, I'm not too familiar with Gil Kane stuff. Let me check this out. Yeah. 
Brilliant. They had those great collections by decade. Mm-hmm. And 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. They're, they're, they're really good. Yeah. As well. Stuff like that. That's good. Um, but I also feel like it feels like a, a while. And I think they need to keep yeah. stuff in print. I mean, yeah, no, they do. Like... There's nothing coming out right now that's kind of affordable that sort of collects these retro, mm. these older stories, which is a shame. And but like, we, we could we could go into a tangent about how comics are expensive in general, but yeah, we we all know that. So um, yeah, we should yeah. probably get to some of these issues though. Yes. Uh, so well, I reckon we'll... speaking of collections, so like mm-hmm. what a lot of people probably have read is one he did the first comic book team up between Batman and Superman. Yes. So people and have that's read been that. Collected. And, yes. Yeah. That's gold. And on the cruise ship? Yeah. Yes. Gold. That's gold. Yeah. And then in nineteen sixty two, uh, you know, you were mentioned though, that's when he really brought in some good stuff. He did that's when he did the story that I've been mentioning, The Last Days of Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that is a lot of times in whenever there's a collection, it's in that collection called like the greatest stories ever told. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's where I probably first saw him and where a lot of people probably do. It's a great story. And it's got a great cover. Can I say as well? Yeah. Yeah. I great, even remember uh, first image with the, the Kandorians carrying him. Mm. The Kurt Swan. Oh my God. That's like it's one of the all time favorite pages. But it's funny because I reread the Golden Age story that that was kind of remaking. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, that first image is cool, but I prefer the Golden Age opening splash page. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that issue because I do want to discuss it. But um, you know, the first one on our list is actually it's quite old. It's, it is from the fifties and uh, nineteen fifty-two, and it's you know Superman and Batman's first ever meeting, Superman seventy-six, being reprinted a bunch. Because um, obviously this is the first time they ever met. Um, it's probably my favourite version of their first meeting because, like, my highlight for this issue was they were both, like, the power went out and they're both sharing the same room, Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and Clark Kent. Let's go. Like, all right, let's get changed. And then they get changed and they see each other getting changed because the light goes off outside. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, you're Superman, <laughs> you're Batman. Hey, that's awesome. Let's team up and be friends. And, like... I kind of like that reaction instead of all like the suspicion and oh he's an alien oh he's a vigilante. It's uh, like oh we both fight crime we're both famous. It's great to meet this guy and then they work together and it's it's also just a really fun goofy story. It's fun. It's more innocent times as well. Yeah, like, you know, like Batman's not quite the brooding. You know, <laughs> like but, yeah. <laughs> they they go too far in the other direction though later on. So yeah. You know, I agree. No, it's great. I yeah. love it. It's it's fantastic. I, I totally agree. Like, I've got nothing at all against against them being friends. Like, I prefer them as friends. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know. So no, I, I I think I didn't even realize he'd he'd written that. To be honest, I, I read that a while ago. Um, it's mm-hmm. I think in the world's finest omnibus. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure it is anyway, and that's where I read it. And I think it's a great story. I remember yeah. like, really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Adam? No, like, like you said, so I, it's it's just it's the most famous issue, but I don't necessarily think it's the strongest. Um, yeah. You know, it probably like, gave like, me the most chuckles out of all of them, though. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, this one probably shows its age the most. Yeah. Um. 
but, it, just... but it's it's it, yeah, it's just just definitely notable. I love at the end. There's kind of the through line of like, is Lois pretending to be interested in Batman to get at Superman, and then she goes out with Robin at the end. Yeah, I thought that was a great payoff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> look, it's a really it's it's one of those storylines stories that's of its time as well. Like it's very innocent, you know. Yeah. 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 Just cool. Well. Next up on our list is Superman 156, which you mentioned a couple of times. Uh, and this was written... Hmm, so we're jumping quite ahead in time here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did look at that. It's, it's 1962. Ah, thank you. Wow. I did, I did find that, yeah, notable. So yeah, almost... Yeah, 10 years. 10 years difference. Mm-hmm. Um, was this yeah, the, 156, did you say? Yes. Okay, cool. The Last Days of Superman. Okay. Yeah. And this is one we have talked about. The premise is basically, yes, yeah, Superman catches a virus, or does he? And, <laughs> you know, he's dying, and he has, like, a bunch of things he wants to do for the planet before he dies. Uh, this is a remake or a retelling of Superman 66, which came out 12 years before this. Right. Um, well, so it's the Golden Age version of this. Uh, it, it, it's different, but it, yeah. it is the same plot. And it's, it's, um, but it's notably too, it's not an imaginary story like a lot of these. It's, yeah. No. I, lo- I can I say this? I, I read this on the plane to Singapore. Loved it. Loved it. And there's one image. Oh, I thought it was on page, well, it's page five in the comic. It's Superman and he's backlit by lightning and he's going, nothing can save me, but I've got 30 days left. It's my chance to help the world before my end. I thought this was a remarkably good story, personally. Yeah. And I think this could be, like, you know, when everyone's like, oh, how could he possibly do a Superman movie? You could do a Superman movie of this, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things. Bloody. Oh, well, yeah, there, uh, there's tons of last options, Sun, yeah. We, no, no, there's tons, but like, when yeah. like, how can we possibly do it? Like, it's so hard. Right. It's possible. Like, it's like, no, it's not. It's quite doable, actually. <laughs> yeah, Dave, you'd love the the opening panel the opening big splash page of superman 66 for this story is him on the mountain getting struck by lightning and not noticing because obviously he's so yeah for me like because um i the thing is the thing that holds this story back for me oh and i really like it Mm. but it's just like when I look at the original and this story, there's just some things I like that the original did better. So that's always kind of in the back of my mind whenever I read this story, and I wish you could kind of like combine them into one perfect story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it's it's still really good. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I've, I also think people should definitely check out Superman sixty six as well if they liked one fifty six. This one is too. very much more if you like All Star Superman. This is mm. very much you know retro All Star. Yeah. Yeah. The I found the solutions in 156 much better, like much more interesting, which makes sense because Edmund Hamilton loved looking at the future, like you know, making irrigation oh, uh, yeah. for Earth stuff like that. Whereas in 66, he just kind of digs up a bunch of coal. <laughs> it's funny. He does. Like, yeah. he, doesn't he like build a computer? In 66, uh, yeah. he like builds a computer that's like, well, I built this com- computer, so there's no more crime. <laughs> I don't don't remember that. He builds like a There's always like stories a... old stories in here where it's like good news, crime is gone. It's <laughs> gone forever. 
<laughs> he gets he gets he gets a bunch of coal and oil, and he solves mm-hmm. the energy crisis for the future. That's what he does basically. Oh, and he and he stops a planet crashing into Earth, which happens in this one as well. I think Except, my like, favorite bit other is when he goes it. and says goodbye to Batman and Robin, and then he then he then he goes <laughs> to the moon and he like heat vision, and he's like do good to others, and every man can be a Superman. Superman, and then he puts in brackets Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> love it and then he has to take it out at the end when he's cured but yeah. so cheesy but it's so good as well you know yeah and it's, if you notice yeah. when he when when he one of my favorite things in superman is crypto and if you notice when he goes to get rid of it it's superman supergirl and crypto heat visiting the moon to get rid of a clark kid yeah yeah <laughs> they all have to do it yeah well that that's a really famous part that a lot of people love the do because it, it is a nice mission statement from superman just before yes. he's about to die um like it's a good last message for him to leave which uh, he also does in the 66 version he puts that on the moon as well i question Current... you need to put clark kent at any point but it does yeah no he doesn't need to put clark kent that's for sure <laughs> well um... the the point is he's dying and he's like now yeah can... oh yeah no yeah. he's finally telling lois reading the moon like everyone else <laughs> like shit okay now i get it i was right all along <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's gold i i but, I, I, I i mark this issue very highly and am i right in saying that's kurt swan it looks like kurt swan yes yeah i think m- most if not all of these are kurt yeah swan. they are like god the god this guy could Something that amazes me is how prolific he was as an artist. Like, like, yeah. like this image. Like, frankly, it, you know, this might be going too far, but this image with the, um, I assume, Superman Rescue Squad or Emergency Squad holding Superman up by his cape is just so iconic. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a really good story. It's fantastic. I yeah. I mean, I, I've already said my thoughts on it. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, silly Jimmy. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I liked seeing Wawa Lerl. I, I liked him mentioning Wawa Lerl. That was a nice reference because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that issue with her in it. That that'll probably be my favorite Silver Age issue is Return to Krypton. Um, Very strong. But yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have anything to add, Adam? I know, I know you're a huge fan of this issue, as you said on this very episode. So. Sure. Uh, no, we can keep it rolling. Okay. Um, uh, Action 300, a personal favourite of mine. Oh. So, you know, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I, I really like these kind of stories where, like, a kind of lone wanderer on a, you know, a dead planet... I say those kinds of stories, there's not many of those kinds of stories, but, like, it's cool to see that, um, in Superman. My only problem with this issue, they never explained the Red Kryptonite, but other than that, like, I really enjoy it. Um... Bring this thing out, so, um, in his 1951 book, City at World's End, Hamilton wrote about the everyday citizens of a mid entire mid-20th century town being blasted through time to a cold, desolate Earth millions of years in the future. And then there's a quote about it. Um, they they also, this basically says, the rolling Okia yellow plains were all about them, barren and drab beneath the great fire-lashed red eye of the sun. This also perfectly described the landscape portrayed in Action Comics 300. 
Um, Edmund stated, in fact, my favourite of all the scripts I wrote was one entitled Superman Under the Red Sun, and he describes it. Like, and it both... So this was his favourite? Yes, both the novel and the comic book showed Hamilton's ability to use the same premise to challenge totally different characters in two separate literary forms, with far different resolutions. Um, And as I said, Superman was able to return to his own time while the people in City of World's End were not. They did, however, figure out a way to preserve what they enjoyed about their past lives while adapting to their new surroundings. So there you go. Wow. Pretty cool, cool. huh? Yeah. I think... fucking genius. And if I can (laughs) do the seance and get him and Gardner Fox together in a room, you know? Yeah, get them to start writing scripts. (laughs) Well, I I just like the two of them to break bread and... Yeah. Just put a microphone down and listen to the two guys talk because they 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 were both from Pulp's. Both very different. Mm. I think. I think um, Ed Hamilton was far more science fiction focused. Um, yeah. And I just think, I actually think he's quite brilliant, frankly. You know. I think I've I've talked about this in the past on the podcast. Uh, bring more sci-fi back to Superman. I like. Right. I like. Totally right. I, I like just doing Superman in the sci-fi genre. Hundred um, percent agree. You know? And I I think um, and I think. Well, I mean, they do a bit, but uh, but I think it, oh, it, they do, but not not to the extent that they used to. You know, I mean, God, the second yeah. you the second you have Brainiac and a storyline, you you can really go hard in that direction, and also a lot of stuff yeah. with Candor, the Kryptonian stuff, the Kryptonian villains. I don't think they the Kryptonian history. Uh, I don't think they do enough of that stuff regularly enough beyond just Zod. You know, the problem is whenever they do the Kryptonian stuff, it's a different author changing everything which just makes it a bit confusing (laughs) for me anyway yeah um you know what would made action 300 better is if this got published in superman so we got more pages because i think this would have been really great as one of the three-part novels that they did Mm -hmm. yeah i believe that yeah no but this like people if you like superman out there and i assume you do if you listen to this show um, do yourself a favour and check out it's Action Comics 300, this storyline. It's it's essential. And the cover is brilliant with Superman with the beard and it explains how Superman has to... I like the way he even shaves before he goes back. And, oh, yeah. That's cool. You know, this has never been reprinted, though, Action 300. Really? No. That's, that's nuts. How does this not appear in, like, the best of the 80 years of action? Yeah. No, it just it just doesn't. Uh, I want which is... some of that's rights and and stuff like that. There's got to be some reasons for because this is considered one of the high watermarks, so that's weird. And it's also a, a like a like a centenary issue, which is weird that it wouldn't be reprinted. Yeah, I mean they've they've never fully reprinted uh, Superman 400 either. They've only reprinted like probably the worst story in there, or <laughs> one of the weaker ones in there. Uh, so. It's odd, but I'm sure we'll get it eventually. I'm sure we will. Uh, it just feels weird that we're in 2023 and we haven't already. When the you know, like, like yeah, I don't know. It just it, sometimes it, DC makes yeah. some weird decisions. Is all I can say. You know, because this is I really like to read a version of this that's a bit touched up. You know, oh for sure. I think um, um, I think Kurt Swan's artwork deserves it. You know, yeah. By the way, why isn't there a fucking Kurt Swan like five volume collection? You could. Uh, that's too you'd much be Kurt too Swan. much. You're, you're going <laughs> under there with five. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm deliberately yeah. Going under, but isn't that crazy? Like, we're talking. It would look about, like. like uh, did you did you see, like, when they, they released, like, a One Piece thing when they hit a thousand chapters and it was, like, a novelty <laughs> book that was, like, the size of a car? 
That's hilarious. It, it would it would look like it would be nine times that if that you did a Kurt Zalant. Yeah, they did a. I believe they did a Jose Luis Garcia collection for Superman. Which yeah, I think it's cool. It's very cool, but he also did like. I mean, he's a fantastic artist, but a lot, lot less than Kurt Zwan, You know. Oh yeah, I guess that was kind of my point. Is like. Maybe he, he's he's probably a lot easier to do than... Do we know much? I mean, guys, you're the experts. Do we know much about Kurt Swan? Like, was this guy just a machine? Because I was talking to, um, oh my gosh, Elliot S. Magan. We've had him on the show a couple of times. And he was saying he really only had a couple of conversations towards the end with him. And, mm. you know, he was quite an, a serious artist from, you know, old school kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, I don't know much about him personally, other uh, like outside of Superman stuff. Um, you know, I, he'd seem, it, it's a shame all these people, you know, it's kind of the theme of the episode is like, if you were a creator back then, you didn't really get too many interviews. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you did, if you got one or two, they were extremely basic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I read the only interview I've ever found with Kurt Swan. was like, so you draw Superman? Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> do you like, do you like, uh, Joe Schuster? Yeah. He's all right. I like Wayne boring, you know? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Wayne boring definitely seems like a big influence on Kurt Swan. Yeah. He's like, he was like the Kurt Swan before. Kurt well, Swan he was, was essentially, Swan, so. he was trying to like, just keep the look consistent. And he pretty much did yeah. just, Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and Elliot S. Megan said that it wasn't until, like, it might even if it was, like, right towards the end of when they were working together that they had a couple of long conversations and he felt mm. like Kurt Swan even sort of, can, they connected a little bit, you know? Didn't, didn't the editor pit them against each other? Or was that, am I misremembering I, that? I, I don't know if they pit, were pitted against each other. I, I just... I don't know. They just didn't seem. They, they 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 were just on totally different tracks. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. And but it was you know he was he talked about him like he he Elias Manga was like he was fantastic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was. But he he just said on a personal note they really only had a couple of conversations right towards the end, and it was like it was almost like then he kind of got him if you know what I mean. It was interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. He'd also been around a long time by that point. You know he'd been around a hell of a yeah. time. So maybe. You know, he's, I don't know, it's just interesting to me that he could pump out, in my mind, mm. such consistent high quality for so long. I mean, most artists, it would just break, you know? Yeah. Especially today, all the delays. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he, he had to meet deadlines too, back in the day. Speaking of how long Last Days of Lex Luthor's taken to come out. Uh, wow. Um, Action 300, Adam, do you have anything to add? No, I, I really like, um, I was kind of talking about it earlier, like this, when I read this, my takeaway was like, oh, this is why the Silver Age is so cool, is because mm -hmm. you kind of get crazy stuff, like like the balloon animals and like the, Love it. the lightning eagle, and then like two pages later, you get a, a, a panel of him sitting on a cliff kind of reflecting about humanity and loss, and like, it's like, Jesus, like... The, yeah. the two things together is is what is comic book magic to me, you know? Yeah. I, I also love that in the old story, Superman can fly through the time barrier and stuff. Yeah. I, mm. I've always loved that notion. Like, 
I don't give a shit. Like, I think he should still be able to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you can you can gussy it up and make it more dangerous, as they sometimes did back in the day too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't always plain sailing, but I just think it really make it really it really makes him super. You know, man. Like, it's it's he's doing shit that is like really breaking the laws of I don't know physics and time and stuff. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It just it all depends on how you do it, really. Like, if it's executed well or not, which you, which you can mess up, as we've seen in a certain Richard Donner film. So, yeah, yeah, I, I just like the idea of it, you know. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy. And don't forget, like they're still fictional characters now. They're still doing crazy shit now, you know. Mm. Like, so why is you know you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's when not like pretty uh, realism all the time, kind of for Superman. When Ultraman lifted up the Book of Infinite Pages, it's you know it's just like make your head spin. Um, but uh, three fourteen. So this was fun. I never read this. Uh, basically, Jor-El sees, you know, he sees like computer projections of, you know, what would what was the most high probability oh, yeah, of what would yeah. happen if Superman landed on various different planets. And basically, we get it's kind of like a what if Superman had the powers of the Justice League. Love it. Uh, and like, so he's like uh, Green Arrow, Batman, <laughs> the Atom on one planet, uh, the Flash on another planet, Aquaman. And what I found really funny was that on the Flash planet, planet he died. Uh, <laughs> Just died. It's so dark. He's like, oh, I'm joking, yeah. I'm dead. That's like, well, maybe that's that 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 is. I love the end. Do you realize now what you were? You were a one-man Justice League of America, and it's like <laughs> Aquaman just breaks it down for me in case we didn't get it. Yeah, it, it's such a great fucking little story. I'd never read it. Fifteen pages, yeah. fourteen actually. Um, it's a stunner, and I do agree that thing with the Flash one. It's so funny because it's so dark. Yeah, it was just like out of like the other stories. Like he all like he was either a hero or he went off into solitude, but then he just dies because he runs too far. <laughs> uh, so got a bit of a chuckle from me. Um, but I personally, I really like the Green Arrow story. Yeah, because it showed like without powers, he kind of becomes a inventor like Jor-El. Yeah, you know, he's just inventing. And he's also arrows, a pacifist so. because when they're like, "We're going to use this to go and kill conquer," people, yeah, he's like, "Oh no, do that!" It's like, "Well, dude, you're inventing all these crazy arrows. What do you think was going to happen?" <laughs> like, he, well, he stops them and then he, he leaves. He does. So. Did you notice too? Where I thought I thought he killed the antelope or whatever it was. But he may have just... He says he caught it, and it looks like he may have just notched it through the the thing on its neck, but he may have killed it. I'm not sure. No, I don't think he killed it. I think he just caught it. That was the impression I got. But it's funny that, that they sort of did it, and they're like, oh, maybe we better not make him kill it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Do kids want to see Superman killing Bambi? That's the question. <laughs> but like, the thing is, back in those days, there was a lot of, like, cowboys and indian shit and you know people were firing arrows and killing each other you know that's true but the comics code is as you know is super strict so and then they do go out of their way for superman to be like oh no don't go and kill the other villages you know the other tribe or whatever it was like he, he, and he and which is nice i i like even though i come from a different realm i do like and superman's kind of a bit of old-fashioned values like don't go and just slaughter them kind of thing like well, the thing is, it's kind of the opposite. He's kind of a bit of a man out of time. Like, he's sort of yeah. sort of fe- a futuristic man stuck on this primitive planet yeah. where he's like, you know, violence isn't the answer. Don't just conquer people. What are you doing? That's barbaric. Yeah. I like So this was, a, this, was, this was a fun little story, I thought, personally. Yeah. I, I enjoyed all the, all the different uh, planets that they projected. Uh, mm. What about you, Adam? 
Yeah, like you said, just like a fun one. This is definitely one like when I was talking about if this showed up today, people would be like talking about it, you know? Yeah. It's just it's a fun gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, and you could do it like now as like a I would even say a three or four parter and and really I'm sure they'd do it a lot more than three or four parts, even though they wouldn't need to if they could do their comics properly. But and you could make it really kind of more intense for each um for each character. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, so we'll point out for Action Three Hundred and Three Fourteen, Al Pastino did the artwork. Does a good job. Yeah, no, uh, he's a, he's a great artist too. Um, Three Nineteen, uh, f- uh, Alexa. So all these all these issues could be like a whole episode of the show. So we're just breezing through them. Sure. Uh, we might cover some of these in the future anyway. Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, this is another Lexor story. And you know, all I have to say about this one is I love the courtroom drama. I love how we just have an issue of courtroom drama. I love Lexor was... as well. Lexor's great. Well, mm. can I ask a question? Why does Superman not let him just live on Lexor? And is it because he fears that Lex will then try to conquer the universe from Lexor? Uh, I, there definitely are issues, yeah, where he gets into trouble on Lexor. Right. I think he is kind of happy to just let him be there, but he is also using the planet for, you know, hiding out and... Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, Lex. Building I machines love Lex on there. Well. I, I, I like Lex in general, uh, so yeah. when he's done well, and I do enjoy these um, uh, Lex or stories. And just mention him again, Elliot S. Magan, big fan of Lex Luthor. Every conversation we've yeah. had uh, offline and on the show, really enjoyed. Invented LexCorp, by the way, which I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm. And really, it really, really dug Lex Luthor uh, and did a lot with him in the seventies. And I, I think these Lexor stories are so cool. Again, could be could be a movie, you know? Um, mm. Why not? You know, it's high concept. Um, it's not a thin concept. There's a lot going on there. Lex Luthor, give, yeah. him, give him a bit of humanity, but not too much. You'd obviously make him, you know, and people love him there, which is great. You know, well, Lex is a bloody rascal. That Karma <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Uh, no, he's just a... I, I, knew, I, I knew he took a karma pill or something. You just know he did it. And you just know he's trying to get the courts to kill Superman before he wakes up. Um, I like that his wife there, or lover or whatever, she's just so supportive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, yeah. She, she's actually... And I also really liked the scene, and this is what I meant to ask you guys, when Brainiac decides to bring in the villains, were these villains that you guys know? Because I, I must admit I don't know them. Like the the villains that you brought in these famous villains that well, I have to go look three fourteen uh, is it three eighteen and three nineteen is that what we're talking about we're talking about three nineteen three nineteen okay. yeah there's a, there's a, there's there's a, there's a, there's an image where um Brainiac brings in it might actually have been in three eighteen I read them together Brainiac brings in yeah he brings in villains to sort of farewell Lex Luthor. And yeah, it's in it's in three eighteen. It's like right. Um, I don't know. Look at it afterwards. I, I my question yeah. was just: Are these villains that we're supposed to know? If you're like heavy into Superman of this period, because I, I mean I didn't know them, but that's not saying anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brainiac. He he literally brings in like a rogues gallery, but it's not the rogues gallery that a casual fan like me would know. Like it's like Parasite mm. or someone. It's they're kind of more like sort of fish-looking characters and stuff, like it's all frogs and stuff. Like, 
I just thought, why wouldn't you bring in people that we actually knew, you know? Yeah. Like a Zod or someone, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read the issue. I might have, but I've forgotten about it. Um, yeah, Adam, any thoughts on our courtroom drama? No, I, I just, I usually have a rule that all Lexor stories are good, and this one's yeah. just... Yeah? Yeah. No right, exception. Every one I've read is good. So. I love it. I love Lexor. There's one Especially the one where he that I read up, recently. Yeah. When I was reading, there's a sad one where Lexor disowns Lex Luthor. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I really hated it because it's kind of more a throwaway page. I think that 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 turns out that's kind of retcon to the hallucination. Good, because uh, they they bring Lexor back later on. Uh, it, but it was it wasn't like it was the main focus of the story. It was like a well, it's not around for long. <laughs> I'll say that. Good, uh, but yeah, uh, oh yeah. Now we get up to our highlight issue. There's a couple after this. We'll see how we go. Um, Superman 175, which is one of the kind of imaginary tales. This might happen. Oh, wait, no. I was thinking about... No, imaginary tale, yeah. And so the whole premise of this is, you know, Lex Luthor Kent. What if he's Clark Kent's brother? Mm. Oh, that's crazy. How does this happen? Mm. And we get a three-part novel. You know, so Lex figures out a way to track where Superman goes, Superboy goes, in Smallville to get to his lair. And he basically figures out who Superboy is, which makes Superboy leave, because he'll know that villains will target the Kents. So Lex uh, wants to discover Superboy's secrets in a secret lab, so he ingratiates himself with the Kents, and the Kents adopt him. And Lex ends up feeling so bad, because the Kents are so nice to him, they decides not to be bad and not to loot their secret superboy comes back and they become buddies and then we get you know some drama because pete ross has a real chip on his shoulder and uh yeah, pete this is a real prick in this one yeah he's not happy so and we, we kind of get that story where pete ross is he's kind of the he's not really the new lex but he's planning to destroy superman and you know it, it turned like the end of the story and i recommend everyone reads this you know, all these issues, uh, if you're interested, they're good. But at the end of the story, Lex gives himself Superman's powers to save Superman from Pete Ross, but Lex does die as a result. It's crazy. He just, like, mm. kind of crumbles. Yeah, it was pretty sad, that ending. Like, I, I, I kind of figured that was coming because he's like, oh, there's a flaw in the design if I use it, but I'll use it anyway. So I figured he was going to die, but it was still... And then there's a bust of Lex you know. Luthor at his grave, which is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And just, this is Kurt Swan, and boy, he's on form here with the facial expressions mm. of these characters. is really great. No, this is a very strong story. I, I hadn't read this, and I know you guys said to focus on this one, and I was like, mm -hmm. I genuinely, uh, I mean, it's a great, um, what do you call it, like, concept. And I'd be very mm. to know how this went down. Um, there was stuff in this Kryptonian companion about Weisinger was really sort of like uh, he expected after generating about a, generating ideas for his writers. Weisinger once said he expected each of them to be able to develop this bare skin and bone skeleton that I give him. But I think there's a lot of question marks over how much Weisinger actually developed himself and how much came from the writer. Like, mm. um, so I don't think it's a case that more Weisinger came up with all these storylines and then people expanded upon it. Like, I think they were really into. Back in those days, they were really into like these intense one-on-one -on -one pitches with the editor. 
and like sort of developing the storyline in the office and then going home and writing it. So uh, Elias Magan was always saying he would talk with Julie Schwartz. They would go into like heavy detail and then he would go back and write a story up based on the conversation and then bringing also a lot of his own shit, you know, after the conversation in. Now, I don't know what the process was with Washinger and Ed Hamilton, but I find it difficult to believe that an Ed Hamilton wasn't coming up with these storylines almost by himself, you mm. know? Well, it's, it's always a di- kind of a different story, too, when it's a, quote, like, imaginary story. Yeah. Right? To me, imaginary story implies, hey, we're letting the writer kind of go off on this one, you know? Yeah. yeah, all true, because it doesn't matter in a way, you know? Right. It's like a You wa- don't need to have your editorial hand to at, at least in some aspects yeah I, I tell you something that i think they did well in this era um and i can only really speak to the 60s and 70s is the idea of like a concept you know like a twilight zone episode has a concept you know and then you explore the concept like these stories yeah. that we've done in this episode are very heavy on that it's a concept that's executed and yeah. they bring in other shit as well, but there is a concept behind it rather than just another day at the office and blah, blah, blah. You know, like... Mm. Oh, I definitely. It, I think it works well. I, I get, like, the soap opera stuff is probably easier to write, but um, this is... I, I I think this is more interesting, you know? Well, I've, I think it's a good point. When, when he comes in with the concept, he's laser-focused on executing that mm. and doesn't, doesn't really get too distracted with like b plot i guess yeah yeah great can't stand b plot a lot of the time it kind of it, it it was so weird where people were like when superman was on war world and people were like oh when's he gonna go back to the daily planet i'm sick of him being on war world and it's like yeah the daily planet's just home base it's not yeah. like the daily planet can take a I'm, break guys there's been thousands of episodes of that you know yeah i'm i'm interested in like as as you said like concepts and ideas for stories and putting superman into them i don't understand the sort of desire for we need to see these characters and this setting like this setting needs to be in this concept like like war world and i must admit i haven't read it in full but you need to explore the war world shit you know yeah like that's why we're there kind of thing like and as i said like there's a lot of episodes and a lot of stories that involve a lot of the Daily Planet staff at times yeah. very well, at times very boringly. But there's plenty of that to go read, guys, if you want to read that, you know? Yeah, and again, like, with, you know, the Daily Planet and stuff, it was important, sure, and it was around, but it just wasn't as important as it was, you know, post-crisis and onwards. And I think due to the discussion we had before of, like, this stuff sort of not getting reprints and stuff, people aren't really... People don't expect Superman to sort of go on these long journeys or do these crazy things or <laughs> Superman stories to explore. Who doesn't expect it, though? Like, I mean, honestly, like... Superman, well, I mean, you'd be surprised. Boy, I don't pay any attention. Is there a Superman, like, fan out there who's, like, crying because of this? Probably. Probably somewhere, but... but, <laughs> but, like, but no, it's if, just... if you go and read Kerry Bates' stuff in the 70s, it's, it's all uh, Galaxy yeah. Broadcasting, which is awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do like Galaxy Broadcasting. I love Galaxy Broadcasting yeah. and Steve Lombard and stuff, you know? And yeah. hijinks there with Morgan Edge. Like, there's always a back... There's always a home base, but if Superman... Like, it's like when Superman goes on an adventure to go rescue Supergirl from dying on some foreign planet, it doesn't cut back to the Daily Planet. It cuts back to them when he gets back, you know? It does now, though, because there's always that B-plot there 
Um, anyway, well, we're going off topic. I could, because I'll start going on. But um, yeah, back to this issue. Uh, Adam, Adam, why don't you take over? Give us some of your thoughts on this mm-hmm. issue. Well, I, I wanted to say, like, my history with this is, like, in trying to be a completionist mm. and read, like, every Superman issue and every action issue ever. Wow. This is definitely one that I read, I got to, and I was like, I cannot believe people don't talk about this issue, you know, because Elseworld imaginary stuff tends to do really well. It's a really strong team. I thought it was like a really strong story. And it was just like, I I can't believe I haven't heard of this story before. Mm. And that's what really excited me. I, I think you guys do a good job of like showcasing, you know, not necessarily like the, the, the same stories that are on every top 10 list. So yeah, I, I was really. This is like what really excited me to, you know, maybe kind of yeah. put a little spotlight on this. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's yeah, it's a really good story. It caught me by. I don't want to say it caught me by surprise, but when I sort of saw the cover for it, I was like, "Oh, it's interesting." Adam chose this as opposed to mm-hmm. you know one of these other issues, but I can see why now. Like it, it I definitely was very invested well, all the way through. I love story. You know. I keep saying, like, Elseworlds, uh, they always seem special when you're allowed to have death and you're allowed to have, you know, yeah. big change. So, and I, I think when you have a writer like Edmund Hamilton, who, you know, you guys have been saying, he's kind of a, I don't want to call him, like, a more successful writer. He's, he, it, comics is like a side thing for him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you you want to be able to give them this much freedom. And so I, so to me, this one, you know, unlike the, the last days of Superman, uh, where it ends with like, Oh, Oh, good news. You actually don't have a disease. Oh, great. And, <laughs> and he gets, basically like gets up like this one. <laughs> he was allowed to like Follow implement through. consequences. Yes. And so, yeah. so this is, you know, I, this sticks out to me as something exceptional. I also yeah. really think that the redemption of Lex is so full, which I think mm. is really interesting as well. Like, it's not like I was kind of expecting Lex was going to do a double cross. Um, mm. Me too. And, yeah. <laughs> and I sort of, because it's so well told that you're not thinking, oh, this is just imaginary. Like, this won't matter. Like, it's really well told and conceptualized. And I think it points to this is a writer it's amazing now with the amount of padding these guys do. This is a guy who had like what, 25, 20, 24, 25 pages. He plots it out. The artist executes it's point A to point B to point C, the end, you know, boom, one issue, mm. one and done. You're, you're like one and done, but with a ton of fucking content, you know, yes. it's, it's and, three chapters as yeah. they put it. And that's a lot of these silver age stories. And it really works well. I mean, God credit to them for doing this though, because like, it it would have been such a precise uh, script, I'm sure, and Kurt Swan, the perfect man for the job. And I guess it's like the absence of what we would call splash pages lets him fill in more panels. But even mm-hmm. still, it's an exceptionally told story. And I question why they can't do more. I understand this would be a three-parter or a two-parter in a modern comic, but I question why they can't do more stuff like this. Well, you're right. It, it feels like an it feels like an epic somehow. Yeah, I know. a lot of yeah. these do. Yeah, yeah. And I guess because they're yeah. they're treating it 
like he's not treating it much more different than he would a novel you know yeah yeah so I would have loved that's what I would have loved to have seen action 300 get this treatment like a bit of a bit more length in this kind of three part format sure I think it really and, could oh, have by been the way epic. um in that storyline I meant to mention this with, with the virus X that, that yeah. I, I read recently uh, an issue in um, like a late sixties one where he has a Kryptonian virus, which I think is the virus X as well, comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a three parter. I want to say it's. Oh very, yeah, I, yeah, I did read that. Is that yeah, that's, I, the, that's the one where like it transforms him into like a yes, like his, like, his, his skin <laughs> get, gets like swollen and green. Yeah, great, exactly. Yeah, that's that's good too. Yeah. The great storyline. I, I yes. found a um, I found a, a website which which um, uh, listed like a whole series of storylines through all the different ages that it recommended, and I've been working my way through through the Bronze Age ones. Um, mm. Or and this might even have been technically like very late Silver Age, but I just thought it was interesting that that virus came back like many years later. I don't think I ever put it together that it was the same name. Like, Virus X is such a generic name. I was like, yeah. I I don't think I put together that it was a a callback to that issue, yeah. There you go. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, I really uh, love Lex's facial expression when he says he's going to give himself the powers. Like, just, that's one example of the many good faces that Kurt Swan draws throughout Mm -hmm. this issue. Um, But that, that really stood out to me at the time. It's a great issue, man. I, I, I would say, you know, maybe my favourite one was the the storyline where um, the Kandorians come out, which I think we're going to maybe briefly talk about. Maybe my favourite. This is probably my second favourite. I think it's a really good storyline, and once again, yeah. it could be very easily adapted. You know, mm. yeah. um, you could you could adjust it so it's not so final, but. I, I, I really liked that they explored the redemption of Lex so completely, you know? Yes. Well, speaking of, like, I, you guys were talking about, like, oh, I expected him to change or to, to mm. uh, backstab him. I kind of thought going into this, I assumed what it would have been, because a lesser writer, I think, would have just been, like, he was never evil. That's why I thought this story was going mm. to be. Is that it was just going to be like a, yeah. Oh, and, and Lex was a baby too, and the Kents took him in too. <laughs> no, that's exactly. It, yeah. I thought too. And I, I thought the same of, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's literally like a brother. Yeah. 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 But it, it was a full chapter of standard Lex. Yes. And they really do a good job of convincing you of how this would happen. Yeah. 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 That's what makes it yeah. better, I think. You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah it feels good. very full. Great one, really. It's better than good. This is a great one. Yeah. Um, do we want to move on to very quickly talk about the last two? Or? Yeah. Well, look, can we talk about the Kandorian one if we haven't already? Yeah. I, uh, I really love that one. Which one's the Kandorian one? Uh, I don't know if we. Well, I I, I read it. For, I'll, I'll tell you which one it is. It's it's the one where um where he 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 and Jimmy become Nightwing and Flamebird. Yeah. That that's not. Yeah, that must have been an extra one you read because that's not on our list. Yeah, I don't think unfortunately. I oh, okay. well, let me just quite let me just. Well, he didn't it. do the first Nightwing flame burn, did he? I don't know, but I I I I, I will tell you. I was reading it on the. Uh, I'll I'll give you the number because I was reading it off. Yeah. Um, I was reading it off um, the Kryptonian homepage. 
The finest Candor story and one of the best plotted three-part Hamilton novels was Invasion of the Super People and Superman 158. Um, it's fantastic. Basically, just to give listeners the pitch, basically Candor, um, if listeners don't know, is like the miniature city from uh, Krypton yeah. that um, Brainiac um, shrinks. And anyway, so Superman's always made this promise that he's going to, um, you know, enlarge them and stuff, and he struggles to do so. <laughs> kind of hilariously. Yeah, like it takes promise, a long time. Much like his promise to Monel, trapped in the Phantom Zone, um, <laughs> he takes his time. Now, what has basically happened was he goes he goes into Candor and because he's being chased by these Kryptonians that are, that are beating him up, and Candor has gone completely against him, like 100% against him, like they're throwing bricks at him and stuff, mm. they him in the head, and essentially... Um, it's discovered that this guy has worked out a way to enlarge Candor, and he's saying, and the Candorians, and he's saying Superman deliberately withheld the knowledge, and a, you know the hijinks ensue basically. And at the end, it's right. all resolved, and it turns out that the way the guy's doing it would destroy everything, and it wouldn't work, and blah blah blah. But it's just a really good story, um, and I read it as I was doing my research you know, for this Ed Hamilton stuff, and I think it's my favourite one out of all of the ones we've done, including Clark, uh, sorry, including the brother of, um, you know, Clark, the Lex story, and probably the the, the one which is, like, at the end of the world. I, I think yeah. those three are the best three that I've read, and it, it's a really good storyline, and, and I'm just reading at the moment New Krypton, and I just think it's really funny that it's based mm. concept that these yeah. has come out of Candor and, you know, are super pissed off. It's bad news, yeah. So like it's it is that thing of like he's he's taking the premise of Candor, which previous to this it was a lot of, you know, just like kind of a happy Mm. like kind of side thing. Mm. And now it is he's he's taking it a little bit more advanced concept, a little bit more emotionally complex. Yeah. I always loved Candor, just even before I got hit. Oh yeah. And the first like seriously, uh I heard about Candor more than I actually had read about it, and I just thought, what a neat fucking concept. Yeah, what a cool uh, concept. What a cool visual. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, I love Candor. And the idea like, <laughs> the Kryptonians are in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're obviously miniature, but, like, they're in there. So he does have this kind of weird sort of fellow Kryptonians on Earth, but, like, they're trapped in this bottle city. Yeah. It's cool, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. So I just wanted to just give listeners the sort of push to go and check that out. Again, I had to find it online because it's fucking impossible to find anywhere. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, yeah, it's hard to find. They've been reprinted a lot of them. So. They're not hard to find, but they're just they're just they're, they're they're hard to find if you go to like DC's like fucking Infinite or if you go to mm-hmm. a store, you're going to struggle. You know? Yeah. Um, alright, so, I think you have to go soon, Dave, don't you? Yeah, maybe just another five minutes for me, and then I'll, I'll roll. Okay, sure. Well, real quick, uh, Action 327, The Three Generations of Superman, I have one word to say about it, and it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I, this actually hit me harder than I thought. I, this was my first time reading this post-having kids, oh. and the, there was a moment that was like, oh, Clark's thing is like 
and it's it's a little simplistic and silver agey, but it's like the baseline was oh he just doesn't want his kids to get hurt the same way he was hurt, mm. which like ooh that just got me like a little oof, you know right, right in the right in the chest there. Yeah, cool. It's no, that's a cool, cool story. I read it when I was on the plane. I'd never. Mm-hmm. It's kind of also humorous that he's got that huge white beard. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's a great old man Superman look. They all have the same uniform, but just like yeah, he's got white hair and it's and a giant beard. And they're also like, don't be, don't listen to Grandpa's silly stories at the end. They're just like laughing at. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how in this story, um, they. Like, Superman had eliminated crime. But in the next story, in 2965, crime is still very much there, just like mm. it was during the original Superman's. And how about that for a segue, huh? Mm. That's probably the best one I've ever done. Mm. Just saying. Um, but yeah, future Superman... You know, we've actually covered this before on the show, because it was um, the backup to a Denny O'Neill issue where Superman killed a baby robot. Um <laughs> Which is like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, it, it's fun, the future Superman. Like, if people weren't big on it at the time, I like it, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ocean being a weakness is kind of interesting due to, like, the radioactive fallout. Uh, like, it's just fun. Like, it's a fun... No, it's not the best future Superman that's ever been done, but it's, like, still fun. But also, I still like, you've got to take into account the time period. Yeah. You know, like, the imaginings of the future vary from the 30s mm. 40s to the 50s to the 60s 70s 80s etc like each yeah. each um as i can say you know like not generation but each decade kind of has its own imagining of the future and this is a product of its time and um i loved it and and one yeah. thing i don't i i've never read it one thing i think is it's way better than when they did marvel like 2020 or whatever like um, from what I've read, and also, am I right in saying there was a sequence of storylines of this? It wasn't just yes. Yeah. He he revisited this character a lot, and okay. he uh, yeah 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 I, at least four times. I, I okay. maybe more. I don't know if there was like obscure backups with him or anything, but four or five times. There's a lot of if you want to know more, like look up the appearances of like of yeah. Muto M U T O. Yep. That that's kind of his version of like Lex Luthor, and that's probably like Edmund Hamilton's like biggest original character. Okay, um, it picks up. Yeah, yeah, it picks up right where it leaves. I'm off. gonna to check those too. things out because I've got a bit of a portfolio on my iPad of different villains and stuff. Um, yeah. So um, can I just say the Silver Age omnibuses are going to be must buys for me because the first one covers Action Comics two four one to two six five and Superman one twenty two to one thirty seven. Now, if you do the math. It's not going to be that many storylines before they get to this kind of stuff. Like, it might be three or four mm. omnibuses, and you're sort of into it. So, I think this... Well, if we like, get that far, but yeah. Why wouldn't we? Like, well... Just, you think the sales... <laughs> Adam, be there? stop, Adam. We're going to get uh, to yeah, the Bronze yeah, Age. Yeah, right, We're yeah. going to finish the Bronze yeah, Age. Right, We're going right. to get our DC Comics Presents omnibus. Well, I, it's <laughs> going to be great. All, all I can say is, I'm definitely going to be supporting the Superman Silver Age omnibuses. I've right already... On. The first right one, on. and... You know, fuck it. Like, if it, hey, look, if we if we only get three of them, at least I'll have three of them for my shelf. But no, I'm a big believer in in. Um, I'm quite picky with what I buy, but no, I'll support the Silver Age omnibuses. I think that they're, they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will, I will, I will definitely get the first one at least. Why not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and if DC is stupid and stop it, well, you know, just one more reason to just you know throw a rock to the building, I guess. You know, <laughs> just one more fucking reason. <laughs> Did you see that the um, chick who was running all of DC left uh, over the weekend? You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't even know who's running DC. Well, supposedly was running it. It was the one, Pamela Lifford was DC's big boss. She was over at not just DC Comics, but over a lot of their stuff, like their media as well. She she left over the weekend, or on Friday, I think. So Interesting. She she was the one who got rid of Dan DiDio, she got rid of... um, Various other things, but like she, she's had a lot on her plate. So I was, you know, it was just. I'm just saying she was like their big head check. Yeah, she's she's gone. So all I can say is I hope. I just all I'm saying is I hope this doesn't interfere with their fucking reprints of Savannah Batman, like Silver Age and mm. Legend, mm. like because apparently wasn't Dio the one who was always like Bronze Age doesn't sell. Like, supposedly that was his big thing. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't seems like think an odd so, thing to honestly. say, though. Yeah. Well, like, why would, why would he just choose that, the Bronze that was Age a and be quote, like, hey? That was a quote <laughs> that was attributed to him. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it was right. attributed to him. He may have made it uh, on something like this, on, like, a podcast. Like, I think it was an off-remark. Right. Like, okay. The, the context of it, I don't know. Now, all I'm saying is... I don't know. I I, I I bought them, is all I'll say. I've bought everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy Bronze Age, but he might be right. Who knows, you know? Um, so, yeah. But uh, these issues, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it's interesting when you start looking at his work as a whole, and, like, this was obviously, like, the big... His yeah. his big theme was obviously the, the future, if you can't yeah. tell, you know? If, yeah, if you can't tell by half the issues being about that, uh, so that that's another like interesting accent. If if you read this all as one piece, this all kind of hits harder, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so we want to. We may as well rate issue one seventy five. Um, I will give it. Uh. Uh. I'll give it eight psychotic uh, Pete Rosses. Out of ten. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to give it nine redeem, redeemed Lex Luthers. All right. Yeah, I'll give it nine and a half. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Brotherly Bonds. <laughs> Brotherly Bonds. There we go. That's funny. Heartbroken Lanas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, really good issue. Yeah, one of my favourites from the bunch. Uh, Lois gets a signal watch and doesn't abuse it like she does in that other issue. Mm. So. I just remembered to say something. Do you guys realise that he was the uh, inspiration for Emil Hamilton, the Professor Hamilton, in this post-Christ? Oh. Oh. I did not, but I that's really that cool. I myself, and Marv Wolfman um, created him, and then... Um, Marv Wolfen verified. I did indeed create him, and he was named for Edward Hamilton. I was a huge fan of his Superman comics as well as his sci-fi work. The artist to that issue, Jerry Ordway, added, I came up with the visual for Emil Hamilton, and I think he gave him his first name. Marv did indeed script the character, but as a loser villain, which is true, which we used yeah. in our first two adventures. I brought him back as Professor Hamilton when I was co-plotting with John Byrne, as Byrne wanted to give Supes a scientist-like in the old TV show. 
Um, yeah. I plugged in Hamilton because I like the idea of guys being able to redeem themselves. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, that's, I like that. That's more in. That that's a more significant character than what I'm going to say. But did you guys see? There was a maybe like a '70s issue that there was straight up a a character, a villain named Edmund Hamilton. I haven't. And they. But that's awesome. If you look up Edmund Hamilton Superman, there is. Let me see if I can find it. There, it's it's straight up like a. It is it's called Future Man, and there's in the issue it says like. Wow, he has the same name as that sci-fi writer. Oh, and you know what? That's mm. I can I can link this full circle. That's their tribute to him because he had a character yeah. in his books called. Hello. Oh. Cut out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he cut out right at the. We'll never reveal. know. <laughs> just right, just before he said the issue uh, I'm talking about was now, uh, Superman. Uh, oh, I can, I can hear, hear you now. Yeah. So, what, what's the reveal, Dave? What... Can you hear me now or not? My God, yeah, you. we can hear you. Oh, so what I was saying was um, basically the character of Captain Future was a character that Edmund Hamilton had in his books, and mm. the yeah. writer. In the 70s, uh, one was Elias Magan and someone else before him, a Paul Coverberg, I forget which order, they were paying him back by doing that. It was their tribute oh. to him and mm. that character. So they were sort of moving yeah. his character. The, yeah. the character I'm talking about is from Superman 378. It's, he's called Colonel Future. So very, like, they're not hiding it. No, uh, no, no. And, no. Yeah, and like I said, yeah. Yeah, it was a super conscious tribute to Edward Hamilton, which I think is really cool. Yes. I wonder if anyone's named their cat Edmund, Edmund Hamilton. Or and then pig Edmund, Edmund Hamilton. <laughs> it's a good pig name, actually. He yeah, good pig name. He died in 1977 yeah. uh, in Lancaster, California, um, following kidney sur- of complications following kidney surgery. Yeah. Mm. Um, we've, all got, we've all got to punch out sometime, you know? Um, yeah. And that's what happened with him. And, yeah, pretty cool. I, I think a super talented writer. Um, in the year before his death, Toei Animation had launched production of an anime adaptation of his Captain Future novels, which is what we're, you know, just talking about, which they obviously, um, you know, did their own tribute of in the Superman comics later in the 70s. Um, Interesting. The Captain Future, both series, they adapted Star Wolf into a, to Kasato series. Both series were aired on Japanese television in 78. The Captain Future adaptation was later exported to Europe, winning Hamilton a new and different fan base than the one who had claimed him a half a century before, notably in France, Italy, and Germany. So there you go. Great. Cool. Sounds like a good note to end on as well. Exactly. On- if uh, oh, you guys are good. I thank yeah. you for having me on. Listeners, check me out on Signal of Doom. Um, loving all the Superman stuff. And, and thank you, Adam, uh, for also that huge list and your insights. And thank you, Connor, for inviting me on. Yeah, yeah thank course. you. I'm glad you liked um, it. it. It was a little like yeah. one of those things. It's like, oh, what if they don't like it? The thing that I like. <laughs> I, I'm glad this was a success. No, it's a safe bet. Yeah, we 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 definitely like it. Yeah, this was a Great. safe bet. There's no no worries there. Um, so uh, Adam, where can everyone find you? Your home address, please. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. 
<laughs> hey, so if, Adam's on. Yeah, go on. If anybody needs, um, I'm really into Pokemon right now. If anyone needs competitive oh. Pokemon partner, hit me up. Love it. Um, which which game? Uh, Violet. Okay. Um, well, you had it here, folks. Uh, send me a message and I'll pass it on to Adam, the Pokemaster. And you can also find him at Talking Superman on Twitter, where he posts about Superman. And yeah, yeah. Whoa. well, it's exciting, you know. It's, or X, sorry, it's called X now. Anyway, uh, so until next time, um, yeah, just shave before you go to the future. That's it. Yep. All right. See ya. Hey guys. Bye. Bye. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.